You may be seated. What power? Presbyterians don't have that kind of power to tell you when to to be seated. Let's just um, pray for a moment. Lord, I pray you would take these bare bones of my thoughts, thought a long distance from here, and that you would put upon them the flesh and the muscle of your Holy Spirit, that they might come alive here in Birmingham, and that they would dance in our hearts and our souls and our minds, that we might be changed by your grace. In Jesus' name, Amen. John chapter 1, very familiar. Advent words at a time of Lent. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Amen. It is wonderful to be with you again. Since I was last here, Northern Ireland golfers have won four major titles, and this is my third trip. Rory has only won two, so I'm hoping he will be inspired that I've been here three times and he has only won two majors, maybe, maybe even in the next days. I came here in 2003 for the first time because my book, Walk On, um, <clears throat> The Spiritual Journey of You Two, had caught the attention of one Paul Zal. I wouldn't suggest he was that cool. I imagine it was his son who had read the book. You could tell him that from me. But it was wonderful to come in 2003 and be back again in 2008. <clears throat> Eight. That's one of the many times when I say the right vowels but in all the wrong order. You will come to understand as we go. <clears throat> and it's wonderful to be back again. And because I come here, you too, is part of the reason I thought I would take us on a three-day <clears throat> journey through the theology of Bono on interruptions of grace. I guess when I started out, I used you two's music as a kind of a bridge into a youth culture. You don't use you two now to bridge into a youth culture because they are as old as we are. 
But over time it changed from being a gimmick to attract the attention of the youth to realising that Bono had grown up to be not only a good musician, songwriter, singer, not only a, a justice advocator, but also he has become a great theologian. And so I want to unpack this idea that he has about interruptions of grace in three parts these lunchtimes. Today we look at the interruption into history that we've just read about in John chapter 1. Tomorrow we'll journey into that journey of Lent and see the interruption of the cross of Christ on our own lives. And then we'll ask ourselves on Wednesday, what does the interruption of resurrection living mean to us as grace interrupts the communities we live in? Bono has written much more eloquent stuff about his faith than I wrote way back in the early years of the the noughties, as I call them, um, that last decade. And one of the times that he's asked about his faith, he says, grace defies reason and logic. Love interrupts, if you like, the consequences of your actions, which in my case is very good news indeed, and in my case too. It's an orthodox Christian thought, grace and love interrupting. But that way that he says it, interruptions of love and grace, it's a sharp blade that cuts through. It highlights something of this great doctrine of the faith. Bono talks about one time he was in South Africa in a room with Desmond Tutu and a few other people. And if you've ever been in South Africa in moments like that, you have to be careful because somebody will very quickly say, Steve, come and say a few words just when you're not expecting it. And so with you too. Tutu turns to them and says, you two are with us today. You can see the excitement in Desmond's face. And he says, they sing, so they're going to sing to us. But of course, you two, when they sing, usually have a stadium and PAs and all kinds of stuff. And they look at each other and Bono says, we didn't know what to sing. So we sang Amazing Grace. Because this is a story of grace in action, he went on. Grace interrupting karma again. That is what truth and reconciliation is all about. Grace interrupting. In John chapter 1 that we've just read, we go back to the beginning. We go back to Genesis 1. In the beginning was the word. And if we go back to Genesis and go into chapter 3, we see what went wrong. The history of mankind, humankind, takes this turn. There we are in this place that we've got an inheritance. We have a purpose and a vocation in God's garden. We have a relationship with the holy God. And then humankind reached to become more than we were and ended up less than we were. The fall. Bono says of this, the idea that God says, look you cretins, there are certain results to the way we are, to selfishness. And there's mortality as part of the sinful nature. And let's face it, you're not living a very good life, are you? There are consequences to actions. As Paul said about these words, or this idea of Genesis 3, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. But wait for the interruption of grace. The wages of sin is death is just the beginning of the verse. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. 
the interruption in the history. Bono in a book called Bono in Conversation with Mishka Asayas, a French journalist, talks about coming home from one of his tours. He was in Japan the night before. And if you fly from Japan to Dublin, that's a long flight. And he had jet lag and he was tired, but he went to St. Patrick's Cathedral because it was Christmas. And he has a habit of going to St. Patrick's Cathedral in Dublin with the family at Christmas. And he said that it was jet lag, he was tired, he'd been on tour, and to keep himself awake, he thought he would concentrate on this idea of Advent. And he says... The idea that God, if there is a force of logic and love in the universe, that it would seek to explain itself is amazing enough. That it would seek to explain itself and describe itself by becoming a child born in straw poverty. I just thought, whoa, just the poetry, unknowable love, unknowable power, describes itself as the most vulnerable. There it was. I was sitting there, and it's not that it hadn't struck me before, but tears come streaming down my face. I saw the genius of this, the utter genius of picking a particular point in time and deciding to turn on this. Grace interrupts in the incarnation. Since Genesis 3, history has been going in this way, from Eden to Babel, to Babylon, to Rome, to New York City, to Belfast City, to Birmingham. We've all reached to become more than we are and ended up less than we should be. The wages of sin is death. And yet in that moment of incarnation, that moment when Jesus was born in the straw, God is love. Love is not that we first loved God, but that God first loved us. Advent. You guys should know what that means. It's from the Latin word adventus, meaning coming. The interruption of God's grace into history by God becoming flesh. The word becoming flesh and moving into our neighborhood. I have two images that come to mind as I I describe this baby in straw. It's a gentle picture, isn't it? A little baby just born lying in the soft straw of that manger, it's very gentle, it's caressing. But what's happening in that gentle image is far more thunderous. And I have these two images of a heavenly meteorite hurtling. It hurtles in two directions. The first place it hurtles from is Genesis chapter 3. Because when humankind had fallen, there's something in the garden that says, verse 16... Something will strike, something will hit the serpent, and there will be something that will interrupt further down the story. Genesis three sixteen, And it's like from that moment in history, God takes all of his love and his grace, and he compacts it into a little syntax bomb, which we know very well in Belfast. And he hurtles it through history, from Genesis 3, right through that story of the Old Testament. And this semtax hits with a baby in straw. Or we maybe would look at Graham Kendrick's wonderful hymn, From Heaven You Came, Helpless Babe. The semtax again of God's grace and interruption being wrapped up and hurtling through the universe 
hurtling through the stars, hurtling through the planets and banging into this straw in the birth of a vulnerable baby. And in that moment, in that moment of interruption, the entire universe shudders because something has changed it. Something has hit that means life is never going to be the same again. In that moment, in that moment, God, grace and love interrupts. The king of the universe in a backstreet manger. The humility of God becoming a servant to his creation. A God of justice, loving and welcoming in those who he was at enmity with. The blessedness of the poor. This is a radical, upside down view of the world. This is the interruption that shudders the whole thing. This is the heavenly meteorite hurtling towards us with the grace of God to give us hope. The people of the day were aware of what was happening. The king of the day, the herod of the day, who's just the same as the pharaoh of the Old Testament, just the same as those kings empire that God wants to interrupt. You think about it for a moment. Who are the people in that Advent story that have the truth? Is it the shepherds? No. They're the bumpkins out in the fields that haven't too much theology at all. Dirty and probably not too welcome in synagogue. Is it the wise men? No, they're following stars and other religions. They're not of the people of God. Who were the people that knew what this hurtling meteorite was all about? It's the king and his theologians in Jerusalem who all got together to say, yes, he'll be born in Bethlehem. They had the truth. God has interrupted. The long yearned for Messiah has arrived. Let's get down there and murder all the babies under two so that we know we can get him. Because he knew the truth. He knew that this was changing his power and the world's power forever. What about those of us who know the truth? Do we know too much? Can we hide it? Deny it? Kill it? But this interruption is the hope of the universe. The hope of history. Grace defies reason and logic. Love interrupts, if you like, the consequences of your actions. Which in my case is very good news indeed. And in my case. And in all of our cases. Because as Craig has just read. If we say we're without sin. Grace interrupts. Grace changes everything. Grace gives us hope. Heavenly meteorite hurtling, unseen but deeply felt, if never fully realized by those who've never knelt. The tremors, they ripple across all time. The poets at last can find their rhyme. Heavenly meteorite hurtling. Heavenly meteorite hurtling, as usual, but all amiss. History stripped of how it was. To high and from now it is. The radical revolution, all a shudder. Old ways surrender to this brand new other. Heavenly meteorite hurtling. 
heavenly meteorite hurtling, unnoticed, but all askew, thrones thrown out of kilter, the meek inherit what's new. The repercussions spin out forever, imaginers threading peace back together, heavenly meteorite hurtling. Grace defies reason and logic. Love interrupts. God is love. Love is not that we first loved God, but God first loved us. The word became flesh and lived among us. Grace interrupts. Let's pray together. God, give us faith to believe this truth and the right at times to ask why. God, give us joy in life's fulfillment and the right at times to cry. God, give us the strength to carry one another. And the right at times to be the one who wilts. God, God, give us your grace towards your holiness. And the right at times to confess our guilt. Father God, show us a bigger picture of your grace interrupting. Jesus, play us a longer song. Holy Spirit, put us on a road that's straighter. And deeper than the one we have been on. Amen.